Hello, and welcome back. In this episode, we'll dig deeper into the experiences of Asians in the wake of increased xenophobia. We'll talk about the possibility of being too sensitive about microaggressions, and we'll finish up with a personal story from Dr. Fu. In some parts of the U.S., people deny that COVID-19 is real. They ignore the CDC and Dr. Fauci about wearing masks. It is this close-mindedness that proves one's privilege as well as their disregard for others' well-being. We talked previously about the repercussions of calling COVID-19 the Chinese virus, one of them being that it reduces solidarity between people. At least in the U.S., by continuously emphasizing past origins of this virus, we ignore the present danger. We think that this virus is on another continent and that the problem stems from foreigners. This inflames animosity and allows our government to place blame rather than focusing on taking action. From a young age, I was asked if I ate dog at home. Since it's rumored that COVID-19 came from bats in a Wuhan market, I've been told to stop eating bats here in America. While it is important to know where the virus came from, by only focusing on the past, we're not actively shaping our future and our response to the virus. I asked myself, why did the color of my skin make me a target? Why were so many Asian Americans suffering because it was perceived that all Asians held the virus? The simple answer was that people were scared and angry. People were losing their jobs due to this pandemic. No one knew anything about this new virus, either the mortality rate or the symptoms, mainly because it manifested itself differently in each person. Somewhere along the lines, it became clear that people at high risk were not the younger generation. Since we had immune systems to fight off this virus, we were essentially safe. That led to people still hosting parties and going out without a care in the world. I didn't have that privilege. All of my family is at high risk, mom, dad, grandma, and sister. I am not. I moved back in with my parents after classes went online, in part because my roommate was partying, and in part so I could take care of my parents in case one of them got the virus, then the other needn't expose himself or herself to the infected party. Though I was thankful for FaceTime, being cooped up at home strained my social relations with my friends and boyfriend. It actively angered me that all of them could go on with their lives without a care in the world. It felt unfair that I was doing my part in social distancing and wearing a mask, and yet no one else seemed willing to do so. And they, being white, did not get the same looks that I did when out and about. Let's talk about if I'm too sensitive. A lot of arguments against my experience argue that I need a thicker skin and it's so hard to be politically correct all of the time. I did not experience any hate crimes, as so many of my race did in other places. I did not have acid thrown on me. I was not set on fire. I was not spat on, as elderly Asians have been a victim of. I was not physically assaulted in any way. However, microaggressions at their core make an assumption about your identity and therein lies a major problem. There's a term called snowflake, which is used to describe a very sensitive person, someone who is easily hurt or offended by the statements or actions of others, often used derogatorily. People are allowed to have their opinions here. It's the first amendment in the US, freedom of speech. I agree with all of this. 
I agree that perhaps I am sensitive in regards to microaggressions. However, I don't agree that I should put up with these actions. It's not my responsibility to put up with these actions, but it is my responsibility to make sure these actions don't continue. Asian businesses were hit hard during this pandemic. Chinatowns around the world saw businesses decline. Chinatowns, usually a fun place for tourism and good food, have found themselves empty of their regular influx of customers. In New York, some restaurants lost 50% of their business and many are relying on delivery to stay afloat. It's important to recognize too that many of their customers are tourists and with the plane industry suffering as well, no one was coming in. While it's true that, in general, restaurants have been hit hard during this pandemic, specifically Asian-run or owned businesses have been, in essence, boycotted. According to Business Insider, Chinatowns in Los Angeles, London, and Paris all saw the same effects of Chinatown becoming ghost towns. Although President Trump stopped using Chinese virus in his speeches, he has not directed any specific governmental response toward protecting Asians and people of Asian descent. This is especially important because the damage is done and still going. In economic terms, it will take a while to recover from the huge surge in unemployment numbers and the loss of productivity. The same can be said for those who have experienced emotional and physical trauma from these hate crimes. Not to mention that even last week, an 89-year-old woman was set on fire and slapped. These events are still occurring, though they are not being reported as often and as widespread as before. Dr. Chen Fu works at NYU Medical Center and talks about his experience as an Asian-American doctor on the front lines of the coronavirus pandemic. He said it's a weird time because he's both celebrated as a doctor but villainized for his race. One time, he was on a subway and full scrubs on his way to the hospital when someone started yelling racial slurs at him. Thankfully, someone else stepped in and stopped the offending party from continuing. Fu said that those kind words and the fact that knowing he was not alone helped immensely. In times like these, it is extremely important to not isolate one another. In the next episode, we'll talk about what we can do to help change racism and give support to each other in these difficult times. Thanks for listening.